Today on Stick to Football, we have an announcement to make. Uh, Normally, you get my spiel here of everything we're going to run through. Today is going to be a little bit different. Uh, You get Mello, you get Connor, you get me, uh, and you can probably hear I'm a little nervous, which doesn't happen on this show. Uh, But Friday, October 30th, will be the last Stick to Football show. And I'm going to give everybody a second to like let that digest. The 30th, so two more shows. And then Stick to Football uh, is, uh, I don't even know the right word. No more? Dead. Dead maybe is the right word. Um, it's bittersweet. It is. And it's, it's uh, we will have more information Friday. <laughs> That's what I'm supposed to say. We'll have more information Friday uh, and, and kind of tell you what our, what our plans are moving forward. Um, I, I think if you haven't seen, you, you probably will hear that after 10 years and living my dream job here, I have decided to leave Bleacher Report uh, at the end of my contract uh, in February. So this is not, we're not being canceled. We're not being fired. Uh, we're, not, we're not losing here. I have just decided to go a different direction. And uh, as such, kind of the show goes with that. I don't know what to say here. This is tough. It's like when Justin Timberlake decided he didn't want to be an NSYNC anymore. I will take that analogy. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take that. Right? Sorry, I don't do well with serious. So I, I know that's the message you're trying to get across. I, I mean, this show, we I weren't mean, even serious when we had to announce one of our hosts died. I don't know that we can be exactly. serious on the day that we announced the show. It is. is it's is bittersweet, though. Uh, obviously, we've had a great run here with Stick to Football, and we appreciate everybody who's joined us along the way. Um, so enjoy these last two episodes uh, before we move on to greener pastures. Absolutely. And, you know, Friday we'll we'll get into everything. You know, this isn't just a, hey, we're done, goodbye. Like, you know, obviously there's a lot of thank yous. Um, there, There's a lot of great memories to talk about, like really, really great memories. And, and you guys are all a part of those, you know, especially with the tailgate tour, all the events we do. Um, you know, we'll have, have a lot more conversations about those and, and everything. So it's not just a, Hey, we're done. We'll do draft on draft. And that's, <laughs> that's the end of the, <laughs> right. the end of the week and see you never, it won't be like that at all. Just stay patient. I know, um, you know, the first reaction is going to be to, to tweet or to DM one of us or, you know, and th- there's only so many things, um, that we can get into right now to be quite honest with you. So, uh, you know, there's only going to be so many answers that can be given and, and the one thing I could say is that you guys have been so great sticking with us through a lot of changes, a lot of different things for a very long time now. And uh, this is we're just asking you to do that for one more week. And the Friday show, I think, will will give you everything you need. Yeah. Uh, like you said, I mean, I'm I'm still under contract. Connor, you still work at Bleacher Report. Yeah, there's I'm a, still a Bleacher yeah, Report employee. Only, I'm not going anywhere. There's so many things we can say right now. And also, like, this is amicable. Uh, I'm not leaving Bleacher Report upset. Uh, it's been it's been fun. It's been a very good run. And again, we'll get into that more Friday. Uh, I'll still be riding there uh, for the rest of the season, it looks like. So I'm not completely disappearing yet. But when the news leaked about my leaving, uh, some things got sped up. But what we want to do Friday is do a nice little send off show. So what you can do if you feel the urge to tweet is send us your favorite moments or memories from the show, from Tailgate Tour, from any of the events we've done. Send those favorite moments in. We're going to read a bunch of those on Friday and just like riff about them. Uh, like the time the guy died at the LSU Georgia Tailgate. That's always going to be. And then he came back to life. And then he came back to life. Uh, always going to be memorable. Uh, so we're definitely going to talk about a lot of those things on Friday. But uh, I, I will say this. Uh, and again, Friday we'll give you more details. 
Like I do feel the weight and responsibility of this. And this is something that I, I don't use this word lightly. This is something I agonized over for months, trying to decide what the next step was for my career. And the idea that stick to football would go away if I left Bleacher Report was the hardest part of it. Like that was, that was the hardest part. Not, not like, oh, you've worked somewhere for 10 years and there's a status of working at Bleacher Report. I, those things are tough. But having to get on this microphone today and say, after Friday, there's no more stick to football. The second hardest thing I've ever had to do on this show. So there's that. Let's get into, now we have to do a show. This is awkward as fuck. Okay. Now get excited. Yeah, this is like right before Christmas. Mom and dad are like, oh, we're separating after the new year. Let's open some fucking presents. <laughs> That's what's happening right now. So let's uh, open some presents, news and notes, because I know you guys still want some takes on things. Cam Newton got benched on Sunday. Jarrett Stidham came in through a pick. I don't even know that you can evaluate either Patriots quarterback right now. Julian Edelman looks old. The offensive line's not good. They can't run the ball. This, this Patriots offense is bad. Cam Newton has not looked the same since he returned from missing some games with COVID. I, I don't think the quarterback of the future is on the roster here. And I would actually agree with that. Even though like I'm the Jared Stidham guy, I, I don't know that the quarterback of the future is on that roster. Uh, I think with Stidham, maybe you have a guy who can be a career backup there. Uh, you drafted him pretty late, so maybe that's his future. With Cam Newton, I know that like after week one, week two of the season, everybody said, like, ooh, let's, let's re-sign this guy. Let's get the contract in works. Uh, he just doesn't seem like the kind of quarterback that is going to be there next year. I, I think that that body is really taking a lot of beatings, and now we're starting to see that happen in the NFL where uh, he just can't make those throws anymore, and it's tough to watch. Uh, maybe uh, part of that credit goes to a very good San Francisco 49er defense. Thank you. But it seemed like uh, it was a lot of Cam Newton in, in that body, and like you said, there's no one on that offense that's worth anything. Even Edelman, it's like, okay, well, three years ago, yeah, he was pretty good, but – uh, it doesn't look the same as it did with Tom Brady. I don't know what that says about Tom Brady versus the Belichick argument, but it seems like Brady's kind of winning this one. It kind of makes you wonder, like, what is the direction of this team? And it's it's something I'm going to talk about on uh, Top 5 Tuesdays a little bit more in depth. But it really does, when you come away watching a Patriots loss like that, you sit there and go, well, you know, Bill's not getting any younger, right? And he's a guy that'll just coach and coach and coach. He'll never, I don't think he'll ever walk away. But Bill's not getting any younger, and they're really in the middle right now where look at how bad the race is, guys, for the top picks. The Patriots, what, they have two wins? Yeah. They're not even in the conversation, like, for a top five pick. Like, they're not in the—and things could change, but I don't think they'll ever be that bad, where Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance are, could be on their radar. I don't think they'll have that opportunity. So it just kind of makes you wonder—and they're a team that'll— you know, draft really well, and maybe they'll be at the team that takes a, you know, Kyle Trask, Zach Wilson, and they'll turn into a star. Like, you never know, or they'll find a way to get Sam Darnold, something ridiculous. But right now, you have to sit here and wonder, how are the Patriots going to really accomplish this rebuild? Yeah, they, right now they would pick number 11 overall. They've lost three straight games after starting 2-1. and one. At 11, you're not getting Trevor Lawrence, you're not getting Justin Fields, you're not getting Trey Lance. Not with the way the quarterback situation looks like now. And like Zach Wilson is someone I'm still like, I like watching Zach Wilson play. Uh, we're going to talk about this more in Top 5 Tuesdays, but he's not like, he's not a Top 11 pick to me. Neither's Kyle Trask, neither's Mac Jones. Not right now. Now, could somebody climb up there and get in that, that area? Absolutely, but not as of right now. So the Patriots are in a tough spot, and... The, the, here's what's weird. 
I don't know if you guys feel this way, but it's almost like we, like the media in general, not we, the media in general won't say anything bad about the Patriots. They got slapped in the dick by the 49ers, like just ball tapped, and no one will say a a word about it. Like no one. Like the Niners don't have anyone on defense right now. They're so banged up. Garoppolo throws two picks, and you still beat the shit out of this team, and no one's like, Cam Newton's not good anymore. Or maybe maybe it was Brady, not Belichick. I think people are afraid to question Belichick. And not like the, oh, we're afraid to say something bad about the Patriots because everyone loves them because there are like 31 other fan bases that hate them. Uh, but it's the, oh, Belichick could make us all look really dumb and, and pull this thing out. But I, I don't think it's going to happen. And like Connor said, I don't think they're going to be in the running for a top quarterback either. Like with two wins, they could lose out this season and still not have a top three pick because there are some really, really bad football teams still in the NFL. Like I I think the Jets are full in on like I just write it in ink. They're probably going to get the first pick. I I would hope so. But I mean, (laughs) man, it's just crazy how bad the bad teams are this year. Like even yesterday, you're you're watching it and, you know, the the Jets lose, but all the one-win teams, almost all of the one-win teams, going back to the Giants on Thursday night, are are lose as well. Yep. So you sit there and you go, oh "My God!" There's like, we can have the number one pick change at any single moment of the week because it's that tight of a race. Now, you know, maybe things do separate. Um, you know, it feels like everybody in the NFC East is in the running. Yeah, <laughs> it's, geez, like, it's just yeah. absolutely ridiculous, man. Thirteen teams with two wins or less. Thirteen. That's unprecedented. Suckage. And they look, but they look like abysmal. It's not like the optimistic look. It's like the, oh, like we're down to Andy Dalton was out of the game. Now Kyle you're Ben Allen DiNucci. Is starting games. Like Ben DiNucci <laughs> is starting ga- Like this is at the point where we're talking about Gardner Minshew being benched for Mike Glennon. Like this is the level of football we are in right now. Not pretty. Not pretty at all. Uh, it was pretty, though, guys. The Big Ten came back Friday night, started off with Wisconsin and Graham Mertz just dominating, and then turned around and testing positive for COVID, so you hate to see that. But the Big Ten's back. We've been waiting for this. I mean, when we first brought Stick to Football back after our hiatus this summer, it was like, oh, man, we don't, we're not going to have the Big Ten. We're not going to have the Pac-12. We do have the Big Ten. And I think a lot of people lived up to the hype, notably Justin Fields, who looked very, very... One more very good on uh, Saturday. What one incomplete pass? I mean, they just yeah, absolutely like dominated. Yeah. Dominate. I mean, he was running the ball very well, uh, and that was your like first uh, noon kickoff for you East Coast guys. Uh, and Justin Fields, uh, that's a good Nebraska defense. Like, not great. It's not the best one he's going to see all year, but that's a good defense. So for him to carve them up like that. In the first game, I mean, look at what we saw back in like week one, week zero, where these teams just looked very rusty. We didn't see that out of Ohio State. Uh, They're going to be a very scary team, obviously. But even keeping with the Big Ten, I thought Michigan played very well. They forced Minnesota into some mistakes. Tanner Morgan did not look like a draftable quarterback for the most part of that game. Uh, So Michigan might actually be a team that could surprise. Maybe this is the first year Michigan's not overrated in the preseason polls. Yeah, no, I think they heard all the, um, you know, the doubting. And I know we we were definitely on upset alert for them. I don't know if you can call it an upset. I mean, the spread was close. The rankings are close. But you you look at it. I I go back to Ohio State and said, man, it looks like they're a team that has been 
you know, really, really working hard for the last couple months. And with the talent they have, you always expect that. But, you know, we just last week had Quincy on the podcast, and he said, I have not seen a college athlete work harder in an offseason than Justin Fields. And just one week, but Justin Fields looked perfect. I mean, he's a strong runner, a smart runner, an accurate thrower, a good deep ball thrower, uh, you know, obviously a good leader. I mean, that is as exciting. You're looking at a quarterback class here, and there's a lot of season left. And sure, Trevor Lawrence threw a pick six, God forbid, this week. The guy made a mistake. (laughs) I just had to laugh at the reactions about that. One mistake. I mean, this is special stuff right here. It's a shame that Trey Lance doesn't get a season because I believe he would have been doing the same things. But, I mean, these these two at the top right now, you, you see... We almost forget, right, how young they were last year, and we're like, ah, you know, there was some holes in their game here, some accuracy issues here. And you look, and now they're getting older, they're juniors now, and they're starting to look like top-tier elite quarterback prospects. Yeah, absolutely. And for Justin Fields, I'm excited to see him healthy. Because I do think, and something Mel, you and I have talked about a lot, toward the end of the year last year, it's like, man, he's just not driving the ball. Well, he had a knee injury. And so if that knee injury is gone and he starts driving the ball a little bit better... He can break that stigma of being an Ohio State quarterback because there absolutely is one. If ah uh, well, they're they're not asked to do a whole lot mentally. There's a lot of easy checkdowns. I I think people have even turned that around to like why Dwayne Haskins got benched so quickly in the NFL. Fields has a chance to break out of that stigma. One more thing of news before we do some hundred dollar handshakes. Uh, Jalen Waddle out for the year with a broken ankle. You absolutely hate to see this. One of the most exciting players in all of college football. Uh, Alabama is going to miss him no matter how deep they are. And Michi's going to step right into this role and, and be a very good player. We saw that on Saturday. But losing Jalen Waddle is going to suck. But also uh, for the draft, just hopefully by the time that we would conceivably have a combine in late February, he's ready to go because this is special, special speed. Yeah, and I think one of the silver linings with Jalen Waddle is that I heard it was a broken ankle. This isn't a torn ligament in his ankle, and those can be very difficult to come back from. This is a break. So, the you know, you used to hear all the time, like, a break grows back stronger. So, hopefully that's the case with Jalen Waddle. Um, even if he loses a step off of his speed, he's still probably the fastest guy uh, in college football or at least at the combine this year. So, you hate to see it, but... Uh, silver lining, like I said, it sounds like Jalen Waddle will be able to come back, and this won't be a long-lasting, lingering injury. Yeah, and I think if you're Jalen Waddle, you've kind of proven everything you need to prove, right? And I know it's a small sample size, but a lot of people were asking me, you know, how far does this drop him, and is now is he a second-round guy? And, you know, I'm not going to pretend to be a doctor. And, you know, Matt, we've we've sat at uh, you know, the dinner table with guys that make these decisions and they tell you medical things after the draft that open your eyes yep. and explains a lot of these, you know, at the time we deem as inexplicable drops in the draft. But if Waddle's medical is okay and it sounds like things will go in the right direction, the guy is still a first-round pick because he's truly a special wide receiver that in a lot of eyes, I think, was on track to at least start to cause debate in draft rooms between him and Jamar Chase. So I'm rooting for Jalen Waddle to get healthy, and I'm excited to what I'll assume will be him in the NFL next year, but you never know. Alabama gets these guys right. to return like no other, man. Now look at Dylan Moses. Dylan Moses, uh, what, tore his ACL's junior year, and everybody yep. thought, oh, never going to see him in Alabama again. JK, here he is as a senior. Still, so, like, a strange it, honestly, letter it wouldn't from his dad. Me. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. My yeah. God. One of the weirdest <laughs> draft situations ever. Just we don't talk about that enough. Wait till draft season. I wonder what his dad's going to be like then. Uh, making him fall in the draft is what his dad's going to be like. If he doesn't back up a little bad. bit. Yeah. It's going to be like Eli Apple's mom. It'll be like, right. hey, like, come on. Take a step back. Uh, okay, $100 handshakes. Let's rip through these guys. Uh, I'm going to go Graham Mertz, Wisconsin quarterback, getting that W, a huge win on Friday night. Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati, someone I've been talking about a little bit as a draft prospect. Thought he definitely showed out uh, in their win on Saturday. Uh, Luke Fickle, that team is very, very good. Desmond Ritter is a lot of fun at quarterback. Got it done on the ground this week, more than the air, but still a big-time player. And then how about these guys? Purdue, Rutgers, and Indiana. Big 10 schools getting wins on week one. I don't think anybody thought Indiana could beat Penn State except for Jake Stilwell. So congratulations there. Uh, Rutgers, Greg Schiano is back. And then Purdue, man. Purdue winning on Saturday. This is yours, but I didn't look at it. I believe they beat Iowa, Michigan State, and Penn State. They did. They did. The fact that those three teams lose on a Saturday is crazy. Uh, My $100 handshake, I'll start it off with my guy, Brees Hall. I just want my name tied to this guy. I've been pumping (laughs) him up for a long time now, and and he's having one hell of a season. I know that everybody was on that Brock Purdy hype, but this dude hasn't rushed for less than 100 yards so far this season. Uh, He goes for 185 and a touchdown against Oklahoma State, a loss, but that was one hell of a game. Uh, He's rushed for 716 yards so far this season and and nine touchdowns. So he's getting my first $100 handshake. Second guy is freshman corner Eli Ricks at LSU. I know that a lot of us, myself included, have been very excited about Derek Stingley Jr. They might have like the best corner duo again this year. Like they lost Christian Fulton and they've (laughs) replaced him with a guy who might be an All-American. Three interceptions, got another one on Saturday. That's Eli Ricks corner at LSU. No duh, those guys are good. The last one for me is Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback for UCF. These guys are throwing the ball all over the field. And it's really, it's exciting to watch what they're doing. He throws for 422 yards and five touchdowns on Saturday. The second time, second game in a row, he's thrown for five touchdowns. Absolutely wonderful win over Tulane. So he gets my $100 handshake. It's like every quarterback in that system shines is what it feels like over there. I'm going to start with a guy that everybody that listens to this show will be familiar with, Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver at Minnesota. It was exciting to see him back on the field, even in a losing effort against Michigan, I think Bateman showed you everything that makes him a special player, right? His ability to get off the line of scrimmage, the routes, the ability after the catch, uh, really tough at the catch point. So exciting to see Bateman back on the college football field. Uh, Shaka Tony, uh, Shaka Flock of Flame here from Penn State, the edge rusher. Man, talk about maybe the best bend in this draft class. You know, I'm talking about players that were on losing teams uh, this week, but they really, really shined. He gave the Indiana tackles a, a really, really tough day. He actually had back-to-back sacks at one point. So Shaka Tony is somebody that I think has, has been a good player, but now gets the spotlight on that defense uh, with Micah Parsons gone uh, to really, really get some love. And the third one from a winning team here, uh, Quiddy Pay, the, the edge rusher from Michigan, Everybody's talked about his freakish athleticism for a while. It was nice to see it translate in their season debut against Minnesota. Had a couple sacks, tackle for a loss. Uh, Really just incredible get off the line of scrimmage. Really too quick for anybody to get their hands on him. I think he's somebody that uh, hopefully we get to see at the Senior Bowl this year and is really, really on the rise. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his. I think he has a chance to be a first-rounder when it's all said and done. Or maybe he already is. A first rounder, and, and but that's a name to know for sure. Okay, let's take a break. We come back. Top five Tuesdays.
Okay, top five Tuesdays. Let's jump into it, boys. Number one for me, the Steelers and Chiefs proved they are good enough to win, even when their quarterback's not great. And stay off me, Patrick Mahomes stands. I know he's still great. You better worry about Patrick Mahomes. I know, I better worry about Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) 17 straight games with a touchdown pass. He's still the greatest quarterback on planet Earth. His baby daughter will be a better quarterback than me. I'm not saying Patrick was bad on Sunday. I'm just saying they are a they're a f- complete team now. They can win running the ball. We saw a special teams touchdown. We saw a defensive touchdown. That should terrify everyone. That and Big Ben was actually bad. What he three three picks I think on Sunday. So when those quarterbacks, because when you think of the Steelers and the Chiefs, like oh it's the quarterbacks, it's the passing game. They don't have to win with those guys leading the way right now because of Clyde edwards Elaire. Le'Veon Bell looked pretty damn good in his debut. And then you get you get Byron Pringle bringing kicks back. Not Nico Hardman, not Tyreek Hill, not Sammy Watkins. Byron Pringle bringing kicks 102 yards back. That should terrify everyone when those two teams are good enough to win without it being a prolific quarterback. Yeah. yeah, I think that maybe those fan bases will take it in as a fence, but it shouldn't be. It's a compliment. It is a compliment. You don't have to rely on your amazing quarterbacks to go out and win games. I mean, even last year, the Chiefs had to rely on Patrick Mahomes in almost every single one of their games to get a W. And then yesterday we saw them beat a division team on the road, snowy weather in Denver, and the defense and the special teams able to get it done. Uh, My top takeaway from this weekend was that the number two spot in the Big Ten is now wide open. Uh, I think after Ohio State, uh, Michigan could be the next top team. You could see Minnesota still fight their way up there. Uh, Wisconsin looked like they could actually throw the ball, and hopefully their quarterback stays healthy and can do it. And I didn't even think Nebraska looked that awful against Ohio State. So uh, a lot they of teams 52 in there. put on them. Right, but I mean, it's Ohio State. Like, right. They could probably put 52 on Clemson as well. But uh, a lot of good teams there in the Big Ten. And after a crazy weekend, uh, I still think that there's a lot up in there. So I don't even know who the second best team is right now. And speaking of the Big Ten, I just want to make a point that like Justin Fields is not anyone's consolation prize, right? He's not the, you know, a lot of people are going to look at this draft and go, oh, like Trevor Lawrence or bust, Trevor Lawrence or Trevor Lawrence. I could easily see us coming out of this draft, guys, and and Justin Fields. You know, maybe he doesn't challenge to go number one, and maybe he's just this uh, written in ink number two kind of guy. But I think that shouldn't stop people from looking at Justin Fields as a potential superstar. There's no reason why maybe one day he is the better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence in the NFL. You never know. Or maybe they're just both great. Maybe it's, you know, a little bit what we saw in Sunday Night Football. You got Russell Wilson, you got Kyler Murray, guys that are, are dueling back to back. Uh, kind of players so I look at Justin Fields and in any other quarterback class he would be you know all we're talking about you know it would be one of those situations where it's just it's all about him at the top and I think that you're going to hear a lot of people um, you know use the wrong words I think at times they're going to they're going to view him as this this second tier kind of guy and I get it right I get why it's going to be that way but I think Justin Fields can easily be a star just like Trevor Lawrence. Here's the thing, and this is not one of my takeaways, but it, it needs said still. I think a lot of people, they always want that, like, this is QB1, this is QB2. This year's, the top three quarterbacks, could be a lot like last year's, where it was like, oh, okay, Joe Burrow came out of nowhere, best college football season maybe ever for a quarterback, he's going first overall. Well, Trevor Lawrence is going to go first overall, just like Joe Burrow was pretty much by this time last year. But then I still think that Trey Lance and Justin Fields aren't on the level of Tua, 
But like they are deserving to be in that conversation, like Tua and Justin Herbert, where we're going to three see three quarterbacks from the top ten, just like we did last year. And yeah. I, I think it's very well deserved, just like it was last year. Uh, okay, number two, the Dallas Cowboys need to fire Mike McCarthy. I don't even know that I need to bring anecdotal evidence to this one. They fucking suck. And it wouldn't matter if Andy Dalton got illegally hit in the head or not. John Bostick should be suspended multiple games. They're bad. And it's the defense, it's the offense. Zeke had 45 yards rushing yesterday. He looks completely uninterested. We've seen fumbles. He's not pass protecting. Like, this is not the Zeke Elliott that we saw last year. And with Dak not out there, this team is falling apart. Like, they have, there is no fight in this team at all. Fire Mike McCarthy. Fire Kellen Moore with him. Just rebuild this thing instead of trying to just rehash it over and over again. Yeah, and even with... Uh, you know, the injury to the old quarterback there, they were still getting their ass kicked before. So yeah, it's not it's even like, like oh, blame this on Ben DiDucci. I know they were getting their ass kicked. So I'm with you. I think it's time for McCarthy to go. Uh, my next takeaway is going to be Alabama. They are fine at receiver. I know that they lost Jalen Waddle, and it really sucks to lose a top receiver. Uh, this is just making room for guys like Bolden and Michi to come in and get catches. So Mac Jones, I don't expect him uh, to regress at all. I think maybe we see more catches for Smith, but Alabama is going to be absolutely okay at receiver. Uh, talking to our buddy Adam Heisler about it. Like I wish that at one point we would have just seen Alabama go five wide for like a series where you had guys like Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy out there with oh, last year? Waddle Smith yes. and Michi. Like you should have just done it. And I'm really, I'm, I'm kind of pissed off at Nick Saban that it didn't happen. Yeah. It would have been a lot of fun. And you kind of wonder, do they just have the bodies to do that every year? It really feels like it. My second takeaway from me, something we talked about in the beginning of the show and kind of want to emphasize this. What is the Patriots quarterback plan of the future? Right. It, you know, we heard over summer about Jarrett Stidham, and they signed Cam Newton. And now it's not back to Stidham; they're going to roll with Cam. But I think we'll we'll get to see Stidham a little bit more at some time this year. But what is their real like? Hey, you know, round one or or round two or big trade or trade up or free agent signing. What is the Patriots' quarterback plan of the future? I think it's not easy, right? Are, are they going to be one of those teams that? You know, they inquire on a Kirk Cousins or a Matt Ryan or a Matt Stafford. Or are they going to bring Jimmy G back? That's actually, I might have just talked myself into what the Please. plan would be because we know how much Belichick <laughs> loves himself some Jimmy G. And I think Matt would sign off on that today. Um, it's just, it's a question that it's very interesting to me. No one's talking about it because I know the media is so fixated on when Cam is great, when Cam is awful, when what Cam wore, what Cam did this. I think we're missing the most important question here, guys. And what is 2021, 2022, 2023 look like at quarterback for the New England Patriots? And who makes that decision? You know, is it? Yes. Belichick's not young. What is he, 68 years old, something like that? Yep. He's not young. So who makes that decision? Is it Josh McDaniels? Is it Gerard Mayo? Is it baby Belichick? Like, who who makes the call there? That is something definitely worth watching. Uh, I'm going to uh, heap some praise on the Arizona Cardinals, guys. Steve Keim, a couple years ago, uh, number one gets a DUI, gets suspended, right? And everybody say, oh, they got to fire him. They got to fire him. They don't. The Bidwell stay by Steve Keim, who had traded up to number 10 overall to take Josh Rosen in the NFL draft. Uh, they realized that's not the way they want to go. Fire the coach. 
and they hire a guy who had just been fired by his alma mater, where he couldn't win a bowl game, basically, and had to go be the offensive coordinator at USC. They hire him to be a head coach in the NFL with no NFL coaching experience, and then they let him trade the, the guy who he took at number 10 the year before. You trade that player, you draft a quarterback who fits no standard NFL quarterback metrics, right? He's 5'10". It played one year at Oklahoma. He just doesn't fit the mold. So you gamble on Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, and now you have a chance to win the NFC West in year two after beating the Seattle Seahawks in overtime on Sunday night. That was a great game if anyone was watching baseball instead. I think a lot of credit needs to be given to Steve Kime, to Michael Bidwell, but also to Cliff Kingsbury for taking that job and saying, hey, I'm going to take this job. Like, could you imagine having the balls to walk in there and be like, I know I just got fired at the school I was a legend at, and I've never coached in the NFL, but if I take this job, I'm drafting Kyler Murray. To, to do that in January, and it worked. So kudos to those guys. Yeah, it seemed like a, a really crazy ballsy move that we'd really never even seen before, but uh, it's working out. Kyler Murray has one hell of an arm, and he played great on Sunday. Uh, my next big takeaway, fellas, is that I love these Big Ten Friday night schedules of getting a couple games here and there on Friday. And I know when the Pac-12 comes back, I think they're going to even have some on Thursday. Uh, I like this. I, I like the changes that are being made due to COVID in the world of college football. I love the championship week that we're going to get out of these conferences. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see other conferences go with that method too. And, and I like mixing it up, putting some games on Friday or Thursday. Don't be afraid to compete with the NFL because I will watch it. So I love the schedule. I love the Friday nights. I love the championship week. A little bit of more of a silver lining coming out of 2020. Yeah, absolutely. And, and speaking of 2020, another good thing, it, it's that running back class, right? And, and I know, you know, we're, we got some tough news on Journey Brown, uh, what's going on there. But you watch the top of this running back class right now. It feels like Najee Harris and Travis Etienne and, and now Chuba Hubbard finally getting going you know, do something a little different every single week. I think we have a really, really strong top of the class, and, and that's not even getting into the the middle of the class, the late day three guys. There's always, uh, you know, stars that come out of that group. And Mello mentioned in the beginning of the show a guy like Brees Hall for the 2022 running back class. He might be at the top of it with Spiller. So it just goes to show you, you know, there's great running backs every year. Yep. There really is. And you, you don't need to pay one if you have a strategy in place that you can draft one. And I think when you look at it, it you know, it makes it fun for the game because I think when you look at how fantasy football, uh, dynasty leagues impact the interest level in the NFL today and in college today, I, I think it's a great thing that we have this talent pipeline of running backs year after year, and we're getting another one. Absolutely. Uh, and Brees Hall, Mello, yeah, make that your guy. Just every time you say Brees Hall, true say my guy. So I got another year of My him. guy, Brees Hall. You just got to do it like that. And then it's Pavlov's dog. Then I'm going to hack into the Iowa State roster website and change it to like at Mello's guy. Yeah, or uh, the son of, you know, Brees Hall Sr. and his <laughs> right. mom, and also at Mello. Uh, my number four takeaway this week, the NFC West is the NFL's best division. Guys, think about this. The team that's leading the NFC East, uh, whoever that is this morning, the Philadelphia Eagles, are two games back of the worst team in the NFC West. The first team in the East, two games back of the worst team in the West, NFC West, the only division where every team has a winning record. Seahawks are 5-1. and one. 
Cardinals are five and two, Rams are four and two, Niners are four and three. The Niners would win the NFC East handily. This is the best division of football. Yeah, and I think that's something that we knew coming in. But now when you you actually have some I just numbers want to people. Yeah, to look at it and say there's not a single team in this division who has a losing record. And Matt, you know this, my favorite new stat, point differential. There's not a single team in this division that has a negative point differential. So uh, it is something that we expected. But man, it's, it's looking really good over there for any team that's in the NFC West because every one of those teams is uh, going to be making a run for the playoffs. And my next takeaway here, fellas... Uh, It's more of a question than a takeaway. Is it time for us to revisit the Justin Herbert scouting reports? Because I will tell you, I was not high on (laughs) him. Uh, I did not like him. I did not like him or Jordan Love. And I'm going to have to go back to the tape and be like, all right, where did I fuck up at? Because he is balling out in the NFL. And I'll, I'll give myself a little bit of an excuse here. Oregon didn't ask him to do a lot of things. That's what I was going to say. A lot of what he's doing, you didn't see in college. Since they didn't ask him to do that, I figured he couldn't do it. And one of the main things is throw the ball vertically down the field. Mm -hmm. Oregon said, nah, we're not going to do that. So I thought that was a weakness. Uh, So that's, I guess, something that I have to do better. But, man, he looks like he's probably going to be the rookie of the year. And I've been working with the Chargers a little bit on some stuff. And that was the thing. They were like, hey, can you break down some Herbert film? So I had to go back and watch every throw he had made so far, uh, excluding this past week. And that was a lot of it for me was the ball placement is just so good. And it's a lot of vertical seam routes that we did not see him throw in college. Also, he's not only being allowed to use his legs, it's encouraged. They're setting him up to cut the field in half using his legs. And I think they're they're just the reads are a little bit easier. Um, I had him. I gave him an 89 in terms of grade. We changed our grading scale this year. I gave him an 89. So, like, I liked Herbert. I was very worried about him having, because everything you heard from scouts, right? Uh, I don't know about the mental toughness. I don't know about mental toughness. I think going to Southern California was a really good spot for him. I think going somewhere with Anthony Lynn was a really good spot for him. But, man, he's playing tough football. He's getting hit back there, and he's playing very tough. I mean, absolutely. When you look at it, I just, it, it's so hard, right, to go through that and, and see. You try to learn from what you got wrong. Like I was with Melo all the way. I was, I was not high on Justin Herbert and it was kind of disappointing because if you go back and listen to this show a couple of years ago, when Herbert was going into his junior year and throughout his junior year, you know, Matt, I remember you and I saying, Hey, the dolphins and giants are all over this kid. He's going to be a top five pick. And we, we were personally really excited about him. The arm strength, the scouts we know that had been in there, we're like, man, he looks really good. The athleticism, all of these things. And it's almost like he shockingly goes back to school. You start hearing this, you know, things leaking out of what kind of leader he is, all of that. And then, quite frankly, I did not think he had a good senior year. Just being honest. just be, Throwing under pressure was a problem. The offense clearly limited him. And in the end, and, you know, there's a lot of time left. You don't ever want to... You know, this is early, but in the end, it looks like I, I got it wrong. Like, it's just as simple as that, where it's like, man, he he was the guy that I thought as an underclassman that was really good. And the senior year was not the real him and, and good for Justin Herbert. Right. I mean, good for him. Good for the Chargers. And, and I hope this success continues. Right. I hope there's no sophomore slump. Um, and, and he's a guy that is elevating that football team, not being carried by it. 
So one really positive there. Now my fourth takeaway is a negative, and I'm curious to know what you guys think. And I feel this is going to probably be the last time you hear me on this show feel very strongly about something, and, and I'm, it honestly upset me this weekend. I don't want Antonio Brown back in the NFL, and I, I have lost a lot of respect for a lot of people associated with this signing. Um, you know, Tom Brady is somebody that behind the scenes, I think, pushed for this signing, whether he says he did or didn't. And I think Bruce Arians is somebody that I think has done a good job um, giving women opportunities and the rightful voice in the NFL. And yeah, there are allegations, right? That's what everybody's going to say to you. And Bruce said it after the game when I want to say um, ESPN's, is it Jenna Lane? Jenna Lane is asked, that, yeah. Did a phenomenal job asking about this. And Bruce said if those allegations prove to be true, he won't be with the team. Okay. I, there's also things we've seen, right, with right. Antonio Brown that we know Antonio Brown is not a good person. I think has not been in a great mental state recently, right? Where you wonder, this is a really good football team. And they looked like a really good football team the last two weeks. And guess what? They have a lot of talent at the skill positions. Rob Gronkowski, starting to look like Gronk again. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, they're going to get healthy. Scotty Miller, pretty good breakout player. Leonard Fournette, doing a nice job as a pass-catching back for this team. And Ronald Jones being the primary runner, doing a nice job. You hit on Tristan Wirfs. The offensive line is gelling. Tom Brady looks pretty good right now. You didn't need to go sign Antonio Brown. And whether the Bucs did it or not, I'm sure he would have been back in the NFL because you hear the rumors about Seattle. But man, it's a disgrace is what it is. And I I will never root for Antonio Brown, but now along the lines of that, I won't be rooting for the Bucks, Tom Brady, or Bruce Arians this year. No, well said, and I hate it. And and a lot of people are going to be like, oh, what about Tyree Kill? So, yeah, that is tough, and you have to reconcile that. And with, with Tyree Kill or any other player in the NFL who has a record, Joe Mixon, any player, you have to look at that case by case and like just say to yourself, do I believe the information that's put out there? Do I believe this player is taking seriously his second chance, his opportunity? Antonio Brown, it, like you said, Connor, it's not just one thing. It's the, it's the you know the the situation with in front of his children with their mother. It's the situation with the artist who he was allegedly sexually assaulting, and then basically blasting people and posting their public information on the internet. And then like the like then you even get to the stuff he pulled with Oakland of like freezing his foot off and not wanting to wear a helmet. And that's that's what I was gonna say. Constant like, distraction. Everybody deserves a second chance. Like I get it. People mess up. Even like with Joe Mixon, deserves a second chance. Don't support what he did at all, obviously. This isn't Antonio Brown's second chance. This is like third or fourth. Even Bruce Arians knows that. Exactly. Yep. And like all the, like, oh, of all this alleged stuff, there's so much shit. Like how many things have to be true for Bruce Arians to be like, actually, nope, he's not on the team. Like he had a second chance with Oakland. He had a third chance with New England. This is not second chance. This is fourth or fifth. And these are the kind of guys that I don't think deserve a spot in the NFL. No, and and also, like, they don't need him. Yeah. Like, this team actually might get worse with him on the field, with him in the locker room. On the field, probably going to be pretty damn good. One hell of a receiver. But he's going to be a locker room cancer, or at least could be a locker room cancer there. Yeah, I hate it. And it does. It makes you lose respect for people, especially Bruce Arians, who 
I have so much respect for as really like, I mean, a, a pioneer for minorities, including women. You know, I mean, think of how many people of color are on his staff, you know, both coordinators. That doesn't happen in the NFL. And they, they're hiring women on the, on the coaching staff. He's been so out in front of that. And then to do this, I think it it just it's disappointing on a personal level. Uh, last thing for me, guys, top five to take away. Uh, Zach Wilson is a lot of fun to watch play. We need to pump the brakes a little bit because on Saturday, all I saw was so Saturday, Mellow and I hosted a charity golf tournament. So wasn't in front of the TV all morning. And I, I keep getting these tweets like, why are you talking about Zach Wilson? Why are you talking about Zach Wilson? They were playing Texas State. Yes, he threw five more touchdowns. They were playing Texas State. I think he's fun. I really like watching the film. I do. But like I've seen him play Houston, Troy, Texas State, Louisiana Tech. Like We, we just got to slow down a little bit. I know we all want to get excited about guys who run around and make crazy throws. Can we just let the season play out on this guy? Just, just one. Just let the season play out and let's watch him hopefully eventually against good defenses. Well, and everybody's guilty of wanting to be the first guy on a guy, on a player. You want to be like the, oh, I was the first one that found uh, Zach Wilson. Like me and Brees Hall. Like I want to be the first guy that was in on him. And I feel like I was. Uh, but I feel like a lot of people are jumping on the Zach Wilson hype train. And we're looking for quarterbacks. I, I know that we have three probably four, and now we're starting to look like, all right, who's quarterback five? Who can contend with Kyle Trask for quarterback four? Zach Wilson might be up there, but I agree with you. Uh, probably need to pump the brakes. Maybe things are moving a little too fast, just like the NFL in this top speed bullshit that I do not <laughs> care about. I think it's like it's a cool little fun stat, but people have to realize just because Daniel Jones hits like 21.3 on his stop, top speed, that doesn't make him fast. Like watching DK Metcalf Sunday night chase down Buda Baker, that was impressive. And his top speed got up to like 22. But you also have to have that over uh, a certain distance. You know, that that top speed doesn't make you fast. So I'm kind of tired of the overreactions to that. Like how long can you sustain that speed? Because that's what makes you fast. That's why we run the 40-yard dash, not uh, just look at what your top speed is. you got to be able to sustain it, uh, and it's just it's kind of a tired thing for me. I'm over it. I don't need to see top speed anymore. Yeah, it's, it's just ridiculous, right? And, like, we love, like, analytics, numbers, and all those things. Like, when baseball is on, I love seeing, like, you know, exit velocity and, like, everything on a home run because, like, it's a home run. Like, you know what I mean? But when you get the top speed stuff right now, it's just – it all starting to blend together, right? It all starts to feel the same. And, and sometimes it just simply does not make sense. But that was awesome to see DK with that insane chase down, how special of an athlete he is. All right, final uh, takeaway from Top 5 Tuesdays. Talked about the NFC East before. No idea what's going on in that division. But I will say the Washington football team might win the NFC East. And it's crazy to have those words come out of my mouth. The Cowboys look dead right now. Like, I don't even think they want to play anymore since the Dak injury. And it kind of shows you how much Dak did for them, right? The Eagles have been maybe the most injured team in the NFL this year. And it's becoming very hard to overcome. Now, they did have a really nice comeback win against the Giants. But it's the Giants who, I think, if the Giants averaged like four wins a season now since 2016. Like, the Giants are terrible. So, I'm not betting on them. I mean, right now, and, you know, once again, I know, like everyone else, they've had injuries, but they've also had a lot a lot of problems of their own. Washington, 
they have leadership in Ron Rivera that I don't think any of these other teams have right now. You hear Terry McLaurin speak in the locker room. You know, Rivera goes, does anyone else have anything to say before we break it down? And, and Terry speaks up and goes, hey, I know I'm a young guy. I'm not a captain. And then speaks exactly the words you'd want to hear from a veteran captain. I, I think that team is coming together a little bit. I think they have, um, you know, the dogs up front and the defensive line to, to get after a lot of quarterbacks, which is how you win in the NFL. And I think that... The offense is not great, but it has some young players that can get them points where, hey, you might only need seven wins in this division or eight wins in this division. And Washington, man, it's we got to start talking about them maybe being able to do it. That defense is nasty. And <laughs> that's that the could reason. Be good it's not Kyle Allen. It's right. not, you know, in, it's, yeah. In a division where all the quarterbacks throw a lot of interceptions, their defense is nasty. And Dallas is hurt. It's like, you know Carson Wentz is going to throw some picks. You know Daniel Jones is going to turn it over. So It's going to come enough. down to Washington and Philadelphia. And it's, it's not going to be good, but probably one of those teams. Here for it, for sure. Okay, that's our show. Don't forget, Friday, last stick to football. Send in your favorite moments from the last three and a half years. We'll be uh, talking about it a little bit on Thursday evening. We're going to be recording Thursday evening. Beers will be open. Still coming out Friday morning. Friday morning, yes. So... You're going to want to listen to it, guaranteed. Also, some clarity yeah, I can on, promise on the future. That. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be. It's going to be sad. It's going to be fun. So it'll be. It'll be good. Guaranteed. All right. That's it for Mello for Connor. Smat. We'll talk to you guys soon.